Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. You turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. And while you're turning there, just a reminder, and I'll mention it at the end also, we're going to spend a little time in prayer afterwards. Um, You don't have to stay, but we encourage you to stay. We're going to pray for our nation. And I think that's everybody, even at home. Uh, We're going to cut you off at the end of the worship song, but maybe pray with your uh, family, just about the nation, about everything that's going on. Pray for our youth. Pray for kids growing up in this country. Um, And let's see what the Lord does. There's a lot of miracles coming, and we're just trusting the Lord for that. Okay, in Acts chapter 2, we're going to pick up in verse 14, but real quick, um, the day of Pentecost has happened last time we looked at it. Now, the day of Pentecost is one of the feast days that the Jewish people celebrate. There's three feasts in the fall that have already happened. There's three feasts in the spring that have to do with the second coming of Christ, where the first three feasts had to do with his first coming. And right smack in the middle of the three fall feasts and the three spring feasts is the Feast of Pentecost. And remember, for you and me, this is the birth of the church. And when this was all taking place, when the day of Pentecost came, you've got to remember there were thousands and thousands of people came to Jerusalem for this feast day. This was one of the mandatory feast days that they had to come unless they were disabled. If they were healthy, they were expected to make the trip from wherever they were. And as it says here um, in the first half of chapter 2, All nations were representative there. And Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, mentions 16 of the nations in that first half of the chapter. And we looked at some of those names last time. But just think of that. All the nations, all the Jewish people from around the world come to Jerusalem during this Pentecost season. So it was an amazing time. Packed house. You know, all around the place. And there were 120 believers in Jesus Christ that put their faith in Jesus. A lot of those 120 saw the risen Christ before he ascended into heaven. And they were all gathered together, waiting for the promise of the Holy Spirit that Jesus had promised that he would send them when he left. And he said, I have to go, guys. Because unless I, if I don't go, I can't send you my Holy Spirit, also known as a paraclete, the comforter, the helper, one who comes alongside believers to help. You know, you don't need help, do you, when everything's going good? It's when things are going bad, individually, collectively, the body of Christ, that we really need God's presence, right? And we know through things we've been through, whether it be as a body of Christ here, 
or individually things that you've shared, that you've come closer to Christ as a result of those trials, tribulations, adversity, whatever. Well, the Holy Spirit was poured out on this day when they were all gathered together. There was a sound of a mighty rushing wind. Boy, it got their attention. There were tongues like fire that came down upon their heads. They were speaking in tongues they didn't even know, but the people that were present there from different areas understood what they were saying to them. It wasn't just gibberish. They were telling them the mighty works of God, and they were hearing it in their own language. You know, when Moses went up and got the Ten Commandments, there was an earthquake, there was fire. You know, a lot of cataclysmic things were happening. See, the Lord loves to get our attention. He does. And he'll use whatever means is possible to get your attention and my attention. And just like today, there are people who mock. They say, you're going to church again on a Wednesday night? You're going to a home Bible study on a Friday night? What is that? You're meeting with people to pray? What is that? Well, I can tell you it's a move of God's Holy Spirit. It's God's evidence of his spirit being present in your life and on this planet. And he's here. He's throughout the world. But there's mockers in your life, in my life, in the world system. There's mockers. They can't stand us. Because a lot of times it points the finger back at them in their lifestyle, right? the lifestyle that you and I have left. We turn from that lifestyle to follow Jesus Christ. So we're going to pick up in verse 14 of chapter 2. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, And heed my words, for these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. So, it's only been like seven weeks since Jesus was crucified. Since Jesus was buried. Since Jesus rose from the dead. Since Jesus ascended into heaven, it's all within this time frame. So you have to remember, there's people, witnesses, that saw this. They were firsthand witnesses. But remember, there were Jews from all the nations that were here, and they couldn't understand it. They didn't see Jesus. They didn't see him. They're here in this second and third hand. But now they did firsthand realize that they were hearing strangers speak to them in their own language. 
Unlearned men were speaking their language, and they understood what was being said. You see, God will reach his people. God will make very clear to you what he wants you to know. But here's a very important thing down in verse, uh, right at the end of verse 14, just before 15. Peter, Peter, the same Peter who denied Jesus weeks earlier, is standing up with the other apostles with thousands of people now. And he's saying to them, let this be known to you and heed my words. I believe this message tonight is for the body of Christ. It's for the individuals who call themselves believers in Jesus Christ. I believe it's a wake-up call for all of us. I believe that we do not, only, do not always heed God's word. I believe we take his word for granted. Let that never be said of you after tonight or me that we take his word for granted. Heed his words. In Luke chapter 8, verses 16 to 18, Jesus exhorted, he encouraged, he urged his audiences to take care how they listened. We all know we don't always 100% listen to what is being said to us. We definitely know the younger the person is, the less and less chance they are listening to the whole message. In Luke 8, 16, 18, Jesus said, No one, when he has little lamp, covers it with a vessel or puts it under a bed, but sets it on a lampstand, that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. Therefore, take heed how you hear. For whoever has, to him more will be given. And whoever does not have, even what he seems to have, will be taken from him. Now, Peter is standing up and he's saying to these people, heed what I'm about to say to you. And in verse 15, he says, For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day, which was 9 a.m. in the morning. I'd like you to flip to Ephesians 5.18 with me, if you would. Ephesians 5.18. Actually, let's pick it up in verse 17. We're going to look at verses 17 through 21.
Now let's go to 15. I like 15 too. I like it, all these verses. Let's go to 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. In those verses, 15 to 21, boy, what a great recipe to check to see if you're filled with God's Holy Spirit. He covers several things in those verses. And notice the verse 18, do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. There are uh, religious organizations that call the Holy Spirit a bartender. There are religious organizations that allow people to roll in the aisles and bark and make noises. True. You can go on YouTube and watch these services. That is not the Jesus Christ of the Bible. That is not our God, the God of order, and and he's not a God of confusion. One of the challenges for you and me and those listening is what God are you following? What Jesus do you believe in? And how well do you know that Jesus? What's awesome about this particular, this is, uh, this is really the first sermon of the church. Peter's sermon right here. This is the first sermon. This is the beginning of the church age. We're still in the church age right now. But this was the beginning of it when God's Holy Spirit was poured out on the believers. So here's Peter showing you and me. Remember, he was just a fisherman. But he's showing you and me his knowledge of God's word. We're going to look in a second in uh, Joel in the Old Testament. He's He's going to give a sermon around a couple different scriptures, Joel being one, the Psalms being another. And we see Peter's knowledge of the scriptures. So let's go to verse 16. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now notice back in 
verse 16, it says, But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days. If you look in Joel chapter 2, beginning at verse 28, one of the things Joel says is, Afterwards, and it shall come to pass afterwards. Peter puts in, in the last days. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Now notice all flesh is not the rabbis, not the prophets, but it's all flesh. It's the Gentiles, it's the Jews. It's the non-Jews who are Gentiles. It's everyone who puts their trust in the Lord. It's you and it's me and it's anybody who will come to Christ after this, after this day, tomorrow, next week. The Spirit is poured out. When you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you receive the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit has been given to you. In 1 Corinthians 12, 13, it says, For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free. And we've all been made to drink into the one spirit. How much do you allow God's Holy Spirit to fill you? How much do you allow him to fill you? The Holy Spirit's in you, but how much do you allow him to fill you and work in you and control you? How much of your life are you still in control of? How much are you willing to turn over to him? All of it? 90%, 50%. How much are you willing to give God? This thing that Peter is speaking on is he's basically saying that this day when the Holy Spirit has been poured out on us and your witnesses out there, you who are hearing us speak in your language, the Holy Spirit is available to you too. And we're going to see soon that it all comes back to pointing to Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus. The Holy Spirit doesn't speak about himself. He points everybody to Jesus Christ. And we're going to see that in the second half of this teaching. But this time of Pentecost, this time of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the church, is right now too. This is part of those last days that started all the way back in Pentecost. Some people feel this is the last hour or the last minutes, or possibly the last seconds of the church age. Think about that. Because what that means is that when the church is over, and Pastor Joe has been teaching on in Revelation, when God takes the church out, okay, the Holy Spirit is removed in the body of believers. The church is no longer here. Isn't it interesting that the Feast of Pentecost is in between the three fall feasts and the three spring feasts. And the three 
Fall feasts talk about the first coming. The three spring feasts talk about the second coming. And right in the middle is the birth of the church, the Feast of Pentecost. And as we saw in Revelation, after chapter 3 or 4, the church isn't here anymore. We don't see it till the end. All through the tribulation, you don't see the church at all. That's because we're at the marriage supper of the Lamb, waiting to come back. But Peter, I believe, just like Paul, they believed that was the last days, that Jesus' return was imminent. Just as they saw him going into the sky, they thought he was going to be coming back. And as 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians teaches about, is the rapture of the church and being caught up in the air to meet Christ in the clouds. Not the second coming, but when the church, the bride of Christ, is going to the wedding feast. So we see here in these verses, 17 and 18 and uh, 19, that God is just pouring out his spirit and things are happening. There's visions, there's dreams, there's wonders in the heaven above, there's signs in the earth below. And then we hit a passage at the end of 19, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. Verse 20, the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. Well, Pastor Joe, when he was in Revelation 6, 12, it talked about the uh, sun turning into darkness and the moon turning into blood. We also see these kind of events in Matthew 24, 29. Those things have not taken place yet. But understand, the Holy Spirit is here. He's in the hearts of the believers throughout the world. He's still working, trying to bring people to salvation through Christ. And that's how Peter finishes the first part of this in verse 21. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever, doesn't matter who you are, can go from a religious figure to a, a poor peasant girl or boy. Isn't that something? Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse 22, men of Israel... Hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. Now, I think it's about 21 times in the New Testament, in the New King James, is the term Jesus of Nazareth, designating where this Jesus was from. I'm sure there were other Jesuses, at this time, you know, name of Jesus. But this was Jesus of Nazareth, prophesied in the Old Testament. Even told where he was going to be born in Micah chapter 5, in Bethlehem, Ephrata. Can you believe there are churches? They are not filled with the Holy Spirit. They're not. 
because they want to eliminate the Old Testament. How do you eliminate over half of the scriptures that are fulfilled in the New Testament? How do you learn about Micah 5 too? How do you learn about Psalm 22 that talks about the crucifixion of Christ hundreds of years before crucifixion was ever a, a form of capital punishment? And they want to do away with that. Who would want to do away with parts of the Bible? The enemy. The enemy. And they would form a guise in the form of a church. Just because it's a church doesn't mean anything is good about it. Doesn't mean a thing. Doesn't mean a thing if they say the name of Jesus in the church. Doesn't mean a thing. Because churches that have the Holy Spirit ruling in it will be known by the fruit produced in the individual lives of the people there and by the church as a body. God lives in the hearts of the people that honor him and his word. You don't honor his word, all of it. He's not going to honor you. Now, there could be people in churches... I was one of them that sincerely was seeking the Lord. But the church that I was in wasn't following the scriptures, little bits and pieces of it, but they weren't following the whole counsel of God. But God knew my heart, and he revealed himself to me through his word. But I was 28 years old when that happened. And I'm saying to all people here and listening, if any place you go doesn't honor God's word and read his word and study his word, get out of that place, whether it's a home Bible study or a church. It's not a good place for your spirit to be. Also, in that verse 22, we see that it says, After Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs. You see, God provided clear evidence of who Jesus Christ was. He provided clear evidence. When he was walking the face of the earth, when he rose from the dead, when he ascended into heaven, there were eyewitnesses. Do you know you're a witness of the power of God? You and me are witnesses. You might be a young believer and saying, well, how am I a witness? But then somebody who's a more mature believer knows that they're witnesses because you know what God has done in your life because you look back at his faithfulness through all the years. And that Holy Spirit that's in the new believer is the same Holy Spirit that's in you and me as more mature believers. And Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. And that young believer already has a changed heart. Because even when they go back to do the things that were of the world, they're convicted now. It doesn't feel right. 
they just can't live with themselves. They're always drawn back to what they, why they do that, why they fall back into my old ways. That's the power of God's Holy Spirit. He's not going to let you go. He loves you too much. Verse 23. Him, speaking of Jesus, being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. So here now, remember the setting that here is Peter speaking to all these people, and he's saying, listen to the words. Again, he's saying, hear these words. Remember earlier in the chapter? Heed these words. This Jesus was delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of the Romans. No. Oh, determined purpose and foreknowledge of the Jews. No. Determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. Oh. Hmm. I guess when Jesus said, I lay my life down freely, he was on the same page as his father. No one could take the life of Jesus Christ unless he gave it. And he did that, thank God, thank Jesus, <laughs> that he gave his life for you and for me so we could hear. Remember when I had you turn to Ephesians uh, chapter 5? All those things are the result of God's Holy Spirit at work in you. In other words, you cannot be here right now tonight or you cannot be listening on the Internet unless God's Holy Spirit is in you or has drawn you here or on that Internet. There might be someone listening tonight, first time just came across and is listening. That's God's Holy Spirit. has nothing to do with anybody in this church. It's simply God's love for you that he's trying to reach you to bring you into his family and one day into an eternity with him. So this determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, now notice it says, you have taken by lawless hands. Now we know the story, most of us do, how the Pharisees, and the Sadducees undermined it, went behind the scenes to get Jesus crucified. They thought they had the power to do that. But remember the scripture that I read in Luke 8? It says, For nothing is secret that will not be revealed. You know, that applies to everything. That applies to everything. We can apply it to today. We can apply it to January 6th, 2021. Our God is in control. He works out all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. 
So you have taken by lawless hands and have crucified and put to death whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. So we know that Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. He was sinless. He was that unspotted lamb that was foreshadowed throughout all those sacrifices in the Old Testament. All those, all the books in the Old Testament talked about the sacrifices of a lamb. Remember what John the Baptist said? Look, here comes the Lamb of God. Take away the sins of the world. And people want to get rid of the Old Testament. It'll never happen. It'll never happen because there's a remnant that's hiding God. They can burn all the Bibles. Can lock us out of all internet. But if you have God's word in your heart, you're the living Bible. The Holy Spirit will bring to your heart, your mind, your mouth, those things you need to say to someone, even if they take away all material. Isn't that cool? I think that's awesome. That's exciting, right? See, losers lose, winners win. Losers lose and winners win. I don't care what baseball, basketball, soccer, floor, field hockey, it doesn't matter. We're in a certain inning. We're in a certain quarter. Might lose a quarter, but the game is ours. Game's already been decided. We win. I don't care if it's by a point or 100 points. As long as we win, that's the main thing. We win. And now we see here in verses 24, God raised up Jesus having loosed the pains of death. How cool is that? Loosen the pains of death. Destroyed death. Where's the victory in death? Right? He took the stinger out of death. Because people that believe in Jesus are in the presence of Jesus Christ the moment they close their eyes. That's awesome. And we'll finish tonight in verse 25. For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face. For he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the way of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. So here's David. Concerning the Messiah, says it right there in verse 25. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand. I'm not going to be shaken by the things that happened. Hey, we know, look at all the stuff that David went through. It wasn't all good times, right? It was terrible times. He made terrible decisions. But he was a man after God's own heart, even though he failed. There was death. There were trials, tribulation. There was sin in David's life. But he always came back to the Lord. 
Therefore, my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope. See, David had a hope that he will one day be with the Lord. Remember with the baby that died, that him, that Bathsheba conceived as a result of their illicit affair? Remember, David was fasting and mourning and hoping that this baby would not die, but it did. And he said, I'm going to be with that baby one day. I'm going to go with him. I'm going to go and see him one day because he had a hope beyond the grave. So David, in his flesh, rested in hope. How's your hope? How's my hope? Do we rest in the hope of the promises of God? Do we rest in the hope of the things that God has promised us? Do we know the promises of God? A fisherman knew God's word. Nothing wrong with fishermen. People have to eat. Peter was important in the trade he did. But he wasn't a scholar. But yet, as Acts says, God gave him utterance. Peter, through God's Holy Spirit, was able to speak things that probably blew Peter away. I don't think Joel chapter 2, verse 28 was written on his arm and he said that as he was speaking. He didn't even know he was going to speak to those guys that day. He didn't know that was going to happen. But he was ready through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then it says in verse 27, For you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You see, there he's speaking about the Messiah. See, even right there, talking about the resurrection. And this is back in Psalm 16. This was one of the Psalms. In verse 28, you have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. What's the way to life? Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Is your joy shaken tonight? Well, you just want to be in the presence of Jesus. How do you get into the presence of Jesus? Just say, Jesus, I want to hang with you. I want to spend some time with you singing some songs and hymns and psalms. I want to read your word. Speak to me through your word. I believe that um, whenever the rapture is going to happen, that before that, my prayer, pastor's prayer, is that there would be a tremendous outpouring of God's Holy Spirit on the believers, on you here at this church, you watching on your internet, all the believers, that there'd be an outpouring that blows away any revival in the history of the planet. Amen. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. 
You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.